consistent relationship with Jesus. So it's not about us trying to produce it because we can't. Jesus produces it in us as we stay connected to him. Amen? So that's one thing when we talk about disciplines and we talk about habits, it's important for us to emphasize over and over again. Amen? So um, we uh, spoke about, um, excuse me, feasting on God's word. We spoke about crying out to God in prayer. We spoke about inclining our ears to hear God and to hear others. And like I said, now we're going to be speaking about being committed to the fellowship. And as as we said in this series, our goal is to be healthy, vibrant, growing disciples. Disciples that look like Jesus, that live like Jesus, that love like Jesus, and that continue in Jesus' mission. Amen? So our big idea is that God has graced every believer with spiritual gifts, and we are to use these gifts to love, serve, and to build one another up. And we're going to be reading Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 says, But God, I'm sorry, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. 11 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And 14 says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. And as you pray, if someone in my family could pass my water. I'm already getting dry. (laughs) Anyway, Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us. And we are thankful, Jesus, that you chose to give your life for us. You have called us into your body. You have called us to be one with you. And Lord, and I pray that you may help us to recognize as a member of the family of God, this is our body, our church. And you have called us all to have a responsibility here, Lord. Lord, that by the grace of God, we may grow in you and also use the gifts that you have given us to help each other grow. Speak to us, motivate us, Encourage us, lead us, and build us up today through your word. And we ask you all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 
All right, so we are to be united with Christ and motivated by love. So we said that the title of this message is being committed to the fellowship. And the word fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia, and it means association, community. It means joint participation. Koinonia is not a superficial term, but it is a deep term. It speaks of intimacy. It speaks of unity. It speaks of love. It speaks about being one. So many times we use the word uh, fellowship as a verb, like, oh, we're going to fellowship today. I'm going to be looking at the word fellowship as a noun. We are the fellowship, the body of Christ today. And um, so um, I, I know that um, when we hear the word fellowship, if you guys maybe are in your 30s or later, or and maybe everybody knows. But when I hear fellowship, I think of the Lord of the Rings. And if you guys don't know, <laughs> so... There was a group of people in the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings, and these nine uh, elves, dwarfs, and humans came together for one cause, and they wanted to destroy this ring that could have destroyed the world. So they all, have di- they all had different gifts, uh, different strengths, and they came together to fulfill this task, and they were all one. Or if we want to use a modern example, we can look at the Avengers, right? Earth's Mightiest Heroes superheroes that come together with different gifts, different powers, different strengths, and they come together as one and they protect the earth from things on the earth, things outside of the earth. Right now, things outside of time and other earths also. But we see that the whole point of these people, they were all different. They are all different. I don't know if they exist. But anyway, they're all different, <laughs> but they all come together for one purpose. And God has called our church to be the same way. Each one before one. So each different person coming together for one mission. And that is to glorify God. And that is to continue the mission of Jesus Christ. And the way we do that is by building one another up in love. So this fellowship that we're speaking about, that's another word the Bible talks about. It's called the church. Right. So when we use the term or the the phrase, I'm going to church, I'm not saying we're going to hell for it, but it's not actually accurate (laughs) because the people are the church. The building is not the church. The word, the Greek word ekklesia, which means church, it talks about the gathering, but it, it literally means the called out ones. So we've been called out of darkness into light. We have been born again. We have been we have come and we have become new people through Christ. And now we join together as the body of Christ. Ephesians, uh, Hebrews 4.24. And this is the famous verse that Christians use to encourage people for, uh, for church attendance. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the, dra- the day drawing near. It is a great habit to come together with the body of Christ on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, and to worship together, to pray together, to hear the Lord speak through someone, right? Because God speaks through the preacher sometimes, right? We want, we want to have that mentality that God is speaking to us, amen? So, so it's great to do that, but how many people in the United States, go to church and leave and don't actually fellowship. 
So, I, so it, it, even though we can fellowship in church, and this is a good thing, there is more to fellowship than just coming to a service and to listen to someone speak. You understand? There's more to it. So people come and they leave and they're not stirring one another up in love. People come and leave and they are not encouraging one another. People come and leave and they're not building one another. So when God says do not forsake the fellowship, are they really fulfilling what God had told them to do? There's more to fellowship than just that. So what has happened is the United States, there's this mentality in church that we become spectators. There are a few people that come over here and they're on the platform and everybody else is there and they're listening, watching. Some people, they come just to see what's going on. Some people want to come to feel good. They come for different reasons, but this is not what God has called the body of Christ to be. And this is not what God has called City Church Garden to be, a place of spectators. So look at it like this. If your family gets together and they say, we're going to make a meal today. You know, someone's peeling the potatoes, someone's washing the chicken, someone's cutting the fat off the chicken, someone's clean washing the vegetables and all that, someone's frying, someone's boiling. Everybody comes together and they do something. So there's a sense of responsibility there, right? Let's say you go out to, to eat. Uh, let's say after here you go out to lunch. You go and you order your food, you eat and all that. You're not thinking about who uh, peeled the potatoes. You're not thinking about who mashed your potatoes. You're not thinking about the person that had to throw away the steak because you ordered medium rare and it came out a little bit too cooked. You know what I mean? We're not thinking about this. And then we leave and we're not really thinking about the people that come and clean up. That's, that's a consumer mentality. And unfortunately, that mentality has entered into the church. We are not consumers. We are a family. One thing that I've done with my girls is that since they were strong enough to carry a loaf of bread every time we went grocery shopping, I would give them that bread to bring in because I want them to understand that we do this together. This is not mom and dad just serving them. We are a family and they have a part of this also. And this is the way that the church of God should be. David Mathis in Habits of Grace said that the koinonia, which is Greek for commonality, uh, partnership or fellowship so the koinonia that the first christians shared wasn't anchored in a common love for pizza pop and a nice clean evening of fun among the fellow churchified its essence was in their common christ and their common life or death mission together in his summons to take the faith worldwide in the face of 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 impending persecution true fellowship is less Friends gathered is less like friends gathered to watch the Super Bowl and more like players on the field in blood, sweat, and tears, huddled in the backfield only in preparation for the next down. So as Christians, we are all called to be in the game, not to watch the game. We are not fans. We are players. And the church of God has no bench for anybody to sit on. We are to be active members of the team and all players in the game. The church is supposed to be a people that is giving away their lives for one another and for the lost. It is about giving. We are a fellowship of self-sacrificing people. And the reason why we are like that is because who is the one that gave the greatest sacrifice? Jesus. And we are Christians, Christ-like, followers of Jesus, and this is who we are to be. 
So we are in to engage one another in growing in grace and growing in the unity of Christ, growing in faith, growing in knowing God, growing in living for God. There is mutual a, a mutual commitment and we are a mutual loving ministry, always with love being the primary motive. Earlier in the chapter, uh, in Ephesians 1, chapter, uh, in verse 1, it says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So we have been called to walk in humility, in gentleness, and in peace with one another. We have been called to walk with one another in love. John MacArthur said that the life of the church is a life of mutual commitment to see each other grow in the grace and of the knowledge of Christ. The church is a fellowship of people who are engaged in a loving expression of ministry to one another. So we've been talking about the body of Christ. The body is one of the great uh, 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 metaphors that the, that the Bible uses to describe the church. Because when we have a body, I have a hand. I have two hands, actually. Two feet. You know, I have two knees. I have elbows. I have all these body parts. And they all work together. And they are controlled by my brain. So if Jesus is our brain, we are to work together and to be unified with our brain and we are to do the bidding of our brain. My hands are moving because my brain are telling it to move. So the body is a perfect example. Later on in, in verse uh, 4, it says that there is one body. So in other words, we are united, one, many members, but one body. It says, and one spirit. So the Spirit of God lives inside of all of us and is working in us to help us to become more and more like Christ. Just as you are called to the one hope. This hope that we have is that we have the Spirit sanctifying us and leading us in the same eternal destination. Our hope is to spend eternity with Christ. And this, and, and it says, and that belongs to your call. We have one Lord, so we're surrendered to the same master, that's Jesus Christ. We have one faith, and that means that the cross is sufficient for our salvation, and we stand upon Jesus' finished work on the cross. It says that we have one baptism, so we have all publicly declared to have been buried and raised again to live a new life. And it says also that we have one God and Father of all. Who over all and through all and in all. So we have one father. We are all part of the family of God. Brothers and sisters here to love and build one another. So we're speaking about all the things that we share together when we talk about this unity and this oneness. And Paul tends to go back and forth between the body of Christ and then the individual parts. The body of Christ and the individual parts. And now he goes... Uh, to and I'm sorry, this is like a long introduction, but foundations are important. <laughs> All right, so each of us has been graced with a gift. Going back to our scripture, verse seven, it says, "But grace has been has great, uh, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift." Therefore, therefore, it says. 
When he ascended on high and he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Uh, In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that it might that he might fill all things. Sorry. Um, not getting too much into this because it doesn't, but I feel like I can't just gloss over it. Uh, what Paul is alluding here, uh, to here is he's speaking and he's, uh, Psalm 68 speaks about the victorious king. After winning a battle, he rises up and goes up the mountain and he leads the, 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 the prisoners or the POWs. He leaves them into freedom and he also comes and get, has the spoils of war. And he's coming and he's giving these gifts to the people. So the, the idea that, that Paul is talking about here, it says here that, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. He's saying that our Lord descended on the, onto the earth. He died and he resurrected in victory and he come and he gives gifts to men. All right, leave it there. We can probably talk there for another half hour, but that's all right. So, yeah, so anyway, so these gifts that God has given, these gifts are what we call spiritual gifts. And one thing that we can get out of this is that everyone has a gift. It says here that, but grace was given to each one of us. So if we all have gifts, God has has a uh, uh, has called us to all have our part in the body of Christ. And I'm not going to go to he- get ahead of myself, but that's what we're talking about, spiritual gifts. So um, if we go to uh, Romans 12, 3, and we're going to read a lot of scriptures. Is that okay for us to read scripture in church? That's okay, right? <laughs> Romans 12, 3. For by, the, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of himself, you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. So since all of our gifts are gifts of grace, one thing is that we should not feel like we are better than anybody. It does say that Christ gives grace a certain measure to each one, so our gift might not be the same size. Testing. But we should not, we should not feel that we are better than anybody, but at the same time, we should not feel that we are less than anybody. We are all important parts of the body of Christ. Verse 6 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And if prophecy... In proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, if one who teaches in his teaching, one who exhorts in his exhortation, one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So what is the saying here basically? God has given you a gift and he expects you to use it. He expects us to use it. And I want this to be encouraging, not to be uh, feel condemnation. But if we are not using a gift, this is an insult to God. This is an indifference to the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's even quenching the Spirit, just like First Thessalonians 5 says. 
It is to ignore the very reason why you're here. And I think it's disobedience to God. But God is merciful. He is kind. And he desires for, to lead us to repentance. And I, if you feel like there, you know, there's something that you know that God has called you to do and you're not doing, I invite you to just fall at the cross and watch Christ rise you up in power. Amen? So we have many members, different functions. Again, the individuals that are part of a whole. And um, he mentioned different types of gifts. We're not going to be getting into the spiritual gifts. My goal here is to encourage you to know that you have them and to use them. That's another sermon for another time to look at what these gifts are and what they mean. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is in the, it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So what does this tell us? God does not say, hey, this is your gift. Go do it. He empowers us by the Spirit of God to be able to use our gifts. Verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So why is this gift given? For the common good, for mutual building, for us to be able to serve one another. Verse, And I'm going to jump down to verse 12. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slave and free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. 14 says, For the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot should say, Because I am a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am the eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, that would be weird, but where would the sense of hearing where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But it is God, it, but, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. So again, every part of, um, that was once I was teaching on spiritual gifts, and that week, I broke my pinky toe. I banged it on the, on the door frame. And, uh, I was able to experience how the smallest part of the body affects the body. I was not whole when my pinky toe was broken. I didn't have as much balance, and it hurt, actually. So, so if I have to bear the pain for the example for God to always re- remind me, it's okay. But even the pinky toe is important. We all have gifts. We all, according to God, in his wisdom, chose to give the size and the shape of the gifts but it does not mean that we are insignificant because this can be dangerous if we feel that we are insignificant. What can happen is that we feel that we have no responsibility. We feel like, oh, you know, that, let somebody else take care of that. When we are supposed to all be able to be part of the body, just like the cooking example I gave, we're doing this together. And one of the, the, the plagues of the American church right now is that we have a few people doing all the work. There's this example that they use in business and also in the church. It's called the, the 80-20 rule. Or the 20, yeah, 80-20. That, or 20-80? Anyway, 20%, they say that 20% 
do 80% of the work. And Ed Stetzer, who's a famous missiologist, he calls it the 85-15 rule in the church. He says that 15% of the members do 85% of the work. And this is not what God has called the body of Christ to be. And this is not what God has called City Church Garden to be. Amen? Sometimes we don't think about, we might have an event and we have music. We have maybe coffee, donuts and all this. And we come in and it's great. We come in to serve. Are we thinking who brought that equipment there? Are we thinking about who bought the donuts? Do we ever think about who bought the communion cups? We might not think about these things. But these are all things that maybe we can take part in. And if, if you say Keith, then 99% you're going to be right. Keith did it. We have a great pastor that serves us well, that loves us well, that has given his life to Jesus and for us. Great example. Let's follow that example. And let's take some stuff off his plate. Amen? So we are a church and we have the responsibility to build one another up. Not 85% of work being done by 15 but let us share the burden. Amen? And one thing that I'm talking about here when it comes to spiritual gifts, I'm not talking about natural talents. Your natural talents cannot build anyone up spiritually. Your natural talents can't. These are gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Now, do sometimes our spiritual gift and our natural talent come together? Yes. But sometimes it, it doesn't. I would love to see like the shyest person in the world get saved and become like the greatest evangelist. That's a spiritual gift. And you know what? Like honestly with me, I was a clown in school. I could yell out jokes from my seat, but I had stage fright. I couldn't go in the front and talk. Like I would be nervous just to do a math problem on, on the, you know, the teacher calls you up. I didn't like to be in front of people. And then my burden to, to, to want people to know God accurately and to understand who Jesus is and to, to grow into a vibrant relationship with him, that has caused me to want to be up here. I don't, I don't like attention necessarily. But it, 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 this was a spiritual gift that God has given me to be able to communicate scripture. And hopefully I'm doing a good job. We'll find out if you guys start living what I'm saying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but yeah. Sam Storm says, God has graciously provided these manifestations of the Spirit so that we might encourage, and I'm pausing there so we can think, edify, strengthen, instruct, and console one another, all with the view of our ever-increasing incremental transformation into the image of Jesus. Take a sip while you think about that. The spiritual gifts are the Holy Spirit working in and through us. The spirit power is seen working in and through us until we are all molded into the image of Jesus Christ. Like I said, we're Christians, right? Followers of Jesus, Christ-like. Our goal is to be like Christ. And he has given leaders to equip the saints. Verse 11 said, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up 
for building up the body of Christ. So just, I can have another sermon on what these things are, but we're going to call these the church leaders, amen? The church leaders are called to build up the body of Christ. Verse 12 again, it says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So who is the one that is called to do the ministry? Is it the pastor? Nope. He is one of them. But we are all called to do the work of the ministry. The job of the leaders is to equip us, to stir us up, to build us, and to mobilize us, and to help us mature so that we can do the work of the ministry. So if somebody comes in here and they say, who's the minister of the church? You know what I want to see? I want to see everybody lift their hands up. I don't want to see everybody pointing at Keith. We're going to lift our hands up because you are the minister of the church. I'm just pointing you. We are all the ministers of the church. Amen. And I'm not trying to minimize leadership or titles. Leadership titles are, are affirmation and stuff, you know. But I'm just saying that we are all called to be part of this. And one of the things that we have pushed back against in City Church is what's called a sacred secular divide. Where a lot of times we see the church and we see the ministers. That's the, you know, that, those are the, that's the elite squad. And everybody else is the JV squad, you know. And that's not what it is. We are, are all part of the elite squad. We are called, empowered to do the work of the ministry. Amen? So um, anyway, so we, we, we want to push back against this idea because it's not biblical. God has called all of us to be part of the body of Christ and to do the work of the ministry. Amen? And this would change the spectator consumer mentality and you know what it's hard you know why because just like there's this river of grace that we want to jump into there's this river of culture that we want to fight against and it's so hard it's so hard to not just be focused on our own personal kingdoms because this is the american dream right so god wants us to yes we need to care for our family but god wants us to be focused on the kingdom of god and building the kingdom of God. And all of us can grow in there. I'll be the first one to say that. So this is not me speaking. This is me speaking to us. All of us can grow in that. We are supposed to be giving our lives away for one another. So if let's say, if you say, hey, I have this friend, Keith. I want you to share the gospel with him. Can I bring him to your house? I'm sure Keith would be like excited. Yeah, bring him over. But you know what Keith would be more excited about? If you share the gospel with him. Or let's say you have a friend that's sick. Hey, Keith, can you go pray for my friend? Keith would love to do that. But you know what what would stir his heart up even more? If a group of us go and pray for this person and share the gospel with them. Let's break the mentality. We are all called as ministers and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are all called with the ministry of reconciliation, and that's to share the gospel with people, all of us. Verse 13 says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. So being unified with Christ, being in Christ, being one with Christ, 
and unified to him through the Holy Spirit. We are to be about what Jesus is about. We are to, again, live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and continue his mission. We are to be the body of Christ, living lives of surrender to Jesus. So living like Jesus means that there is a demand of holy living for us. As we grow, as we become more like Christ, we want to live like him. And, and, and there's a difference between looking at living for Christ as a bunch of rules or saying, I want to be like Christ. You understand? Like, I remember I was talking to a group of people that, hey, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I? I was like, do you think Jesus would do that? Do you think Jesus? And this helps us to not just say, I don't do this, but it also helps us to say, these are the things that I, I, I should do or that I am to do as a person that wants to be like Jesus. A lot of times when we first come to Christ, we're thinking about all the stuff we need to change, but we forget about the things that we are to be doing if we want to be like Christ. So it talks to you about maturity. So a mature believer, oh, I went ahead of myself, lives like Jesus. Oh, I think I skipped the slide. Oh, no, yeah. So uh, a quote from the book Multiply says, It is impossible to be a disciple or a follower of someone and not end up like that person. That is the whole point of being a disciple of Jesus. We imitate him, carry on his ministry, and become like him in the process. Yet somehow many have come to believe that a person can be a Christian without being like Christ, a follower who does not follow. How does that make any sense? So I've used the example before. Just because I'm in a garage, it doesn't make me a car. Just because I come to church on Sundays, it doesn't make me a Christian. Amen? If we are followers of Jesus, we are to look like Jesus. And it's a process, but there needs to be progress in that process. Amen? A mature believer also loves like Jesus. John thirteen thirty four says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one another. A mature believer also continues Jesus' mission, united to his mission. In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, which we call the Great Commission, we may all know this, but as Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So God has commissioned us. He has He's saying, I, all power is given, given to me, and I give you this power. And I'm calling you to go out and to make disciples, and this is the call of the church. To continue the mission of Jesus. Verse 14 says, so that we may no longer be children, <coughs> excuse me, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carry about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Uh, we grow as Christians, and one of the ways that we grow is by knowing God accurately. We stand on Christ, which is our rock and our firm foundation. And uh, the, the word doctrine and theology are not bad words. So many people in the body of Christ, especially these days with this loose Christianity, they see these things as, as things that we fight over. 
instead of things that unify us. We need to know Jesus accurately. We need to know who God is. Because what you, be- who, what you know will affect what you believe. And what you believe will affect how you live. So I've, I've heard people say, like, oh, we don't need to get into that theology stuff. I just got to live out whatever I know. Or, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to lead me to all truth. Yes, that's true. But the Spirit of God illuminates Scripture to us. So we need to know who Jesus is. We need Knowing who Jesus is accurately is important to understand who he is, to know what he's done, so, and to understand what he wants from us. Because if not, then we are, are like a house that's going to fall apart. We are going to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. There is a lot of false and weird teachings in church these days. And we don't know who Jesus is accurately then we could be able to fall into this, and believe these false things about God. And the reason why that hurts, the, that that's something that God hates, is because it gives you a false picture of who God is. If we don't know Jesus accurately, we could be worshiping an idol. Because what we tend to do is to create this picture of God that fits who we are more. Amen? So even if it's a challenge to us, we need to know who God is. So and also, hey, there's some things that we see differently. It, it's good for men. What part of the body of Christ? What we do is that we do theology together. We sit down with the scriptures together. We pray together, and we read the scriptures together. So if there's something that you may see differently, let's have conversations about it. Let's talk about it. Don't just feel like, oh, I need to hold this, and I don't like this. But let's sit down and have conversations, and let's build one another up. Verse 15 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Speaking the truth in love. Some of us want to speak truth without love and that's counterproductive. Some of us want to speak, talk about love without speaking the truth, and that's useless. We speak the truth in love. Love being the motivation, but one, some, some of the, one of the most loving things that you can do for someone is to actually tell them the truth. Amen? And that's something that, as, as, that we should really hold on to, especially if we are going out there to minister to people. Some people might be offended by the truth. But we trust in the Holy Spirit to convict their hearts and to lead them to Christ. But it's our job to share the truth. Amen. Uh, going back to 16, it says, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, all the different parts of the body coming together, being one, which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, when it's working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So when we are all functioning in our gifts, we help each other grow. And this is our mutual service, and it's motivated by love. We grow, and we build one another up in love. We grow in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Amen? We become a body that fits the head. If Jesus is the head... We want to be a body that fits. Amen. So uh, that is who we are. So when we gather, that is why we gather. 
We are going to be united to Christ, a community that gives ourselves over in love to Jesus, love to one another, and love towards the world. We want to know Jesus, love people, and impact our world, right? And we do that together. So this goes right in, in, uh, in step with the vision that God has given our pastor for 2022. And that's to grow as healthy disciples who know Jesus, are energized by grace, motivated by love, leading others to become healthy disciples. This is the way that we do it. By being a community that's committed to the fellowship. Committed to growing together and helping each other grow together. God has called us to be ministers in City Church Garland. God has called your gift and my gift to come together to help people know Jesus, love people, and impact our world. And just know that he, it, you know, it. he's very specific. Like we, I know that we, there's like a list of like 22 spiritual gifts. This doesn't mean that those are the only gifts. You know what I mean? So our gift is, spe- is specific. And as, anyway, I'm going ahead of myself. But Bob Utley said, some people wear these gifts like a merit badge. These gifts are a servant, are servant towels so that we can wash each other's feet. It doesn't matter what your gift is. It doesn't matter what matter. It matters that you know you are gifted. It doesn't matter when, where, or how. It matters that you know that you are called for a task, gifted for a task. And the only question is, are you available for the task? So... Ask yourself, are you available for the, for the task? So, if you know what your gift is, and you are functioning in the gift, I encourage you to serve with all your heart. Seek to grow and to continuously grow in your gift. Don't get comfortable. And find others that have similar gifts and build one another up. This is a as far as application, I'm going to tie this up into smaller parts, but this is some sort of application here. <laughs> if you don't know what your gift is, I encourage you to ask the Lord to reveal it to you. And you know what? Grow in your relationship with God, especially if you're a young believer. You might not just be ready for it, and that's okay. Just continue to focus to grow in your relationship with God. I mentioned before also about the 22 you know gifts that are in the Bible. In the Bible, man. I wouldn't encourage you to rely solely on a spiritual gift test, but I, I love, first of all, I love taking tests like this and personality tests, so I might be a bias, but I, I, I think sometimes when you take these test, tests, they can help you to realize certain things about yourself. So I encourage you, take a spiritual gift test, although you can't, like, like I said, there's more gifts than just those 22. Um, and also think about what are you passionate in the body of uh, passionate about in the body of Christ? Are you passionate about teaching the word, about serving others behind the scenes, about praying for people, about organization? What are the, what what are the things that you are passionate about? And also ask yourself: Is there anything that I'm doing already that's producing spiritual fruit? And also ask the people around you: What do you see in me? And other people around, if you see things in people, encourage them by telling them what you see in them. 
And an important part of finding your gift is this. If you see there's a need, serve. I know so many people that have found their gift by just serving wherever there was, there was available, something available. And even if that, if it's not your gifted area, like don't use your gift also like to, to stop saying, oh no, that's not my gift. I'm not going to go serve. Clean is not my gift. I'm not going to clean up. Clean, you know, don't, don't do that. Let's have a heart of service. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, yeah, so I was saying, uh, when we, even if, if it's not your gifted area, there's a need to serve. If, if, the, if using the gifts is about serving, then at least your heart of service is being developed. Amen? And also, sometimes we can have burdens for certain people, young people, children, uh, homeless, um, you know, different people. If, you know, pay attention to those burdens when God gives you, when God breaks your heart for certain situations or certain types of people. Right? So, I tied all of that into, uh, oh no, I forgot one group. One group. I'm going to take a step back. If you know what your, group, what your gift is and you're not fully using it, for whatever reason, I encourage you, number one, also like the other one, grow in your relationship with God. I think as we strengthen ourselves and grow spiritually, it becomes more natural for us to function in these gifts. Pray for boldness and pray for the empowering of, your Holy, of the Holy Spirit in order to use these gifts. And speak to other people to pray for you. Let's do this together. This is something we want to do together. It's not you just, oh, this is you and you do it on your own. But anyway, I tied these up in these small points. Number one, find your place in the body. Like I said, if you're struggling with this, man, talk to us. Let's, let's, let's figure this out together. Number two, look for opportunities to serve. There are always opportunities to do something. Keep your eyes out. Keep your, I mean, keep your eyes open. And the situation comes up, man, just step in and do it, even if nobody sees you. And the third one is serve with all your heart. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. And I guarantee that you will find joy. There is more joy to be found in serving. So let us find our place in the body. And let us love each other and build one another up. Let us be committed to the mission of God. And let us be committed to one another. And let us be committed towards building one another into healthy followers of Jesus. Amen. So I want to give us an opportunity. Oh, I finished early today. I usually go long. I want to give us an opportunity today to serve one another. It's a little bit different. This is mic number one. All right? So this might take boldness and openness, but I'm going to ask... I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand yet, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you're not sure what your gift is. And I'm going to ask anyone here who would like to pray for these people.